In this week's episode, I'm joined by Brenda Harrington, author of Access Denied, Addressing Workplace Disparities and Discrimination, an executive coach and founder of Adaptive Leadership Strategies. This week, our conversation is about the 49ers Black Excellence Collection, Lyft's commitment to driver pay, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bernadette. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Will you please tell folks a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for prioritizing my role as author, which is probably third of the three things that I've done. But I am a leadership development facilitator and executive coach. That's my day job. I work with global leaders, I like to say, who have chosen to use their powers for good. And by that, I mean most of them are in the nonprofit space, economic development, some humanitarian aid. But I really focus on industries and organizations that are are really trying to focus on the state of our our world, if you will. Uh, Being an author is not something that was ever on my list, if you will. Mm -hmm. But events of primarily the spring of 2020 landed on me like a call to action. And I felt like I needed to get into the conversation and create a space for others to have meaningful conversations, not only around diversity, but inclusiveness. Uh, So the book is a compilation of stories. They're archetypes for the kinds of things that we experience in the workplace, I'll say, uh, that don't foster a sense of belonging and and don't help us to feel a part of it. But beyond just being uh, words on a page, I've included coaching and reflective exercises. So uh, there is kind of a primary and a secondary audience for the book. The primary audience would be people who are experiencing challenges that may be tied back to to race and issues around diversity. Mm -hmm. And the other are people who have an opportunity to create new awareness, to, Mm -hmm. to learn more about the walk for people who might not look like them and enjoy the same level of privilege. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Would you be willing to share with us one of the examples of an archetype in your book? Sure. One of the, the most prevalent ones is kind of being the lonely only. When you're the, mm-hmm. the single woman, it could mm-hmm. be, or Black individual in a group, and nothing in the environment aligns with what you're familiar with. And so you're constantly, in addition to doing the work, uh, you're, you're continuously trying to make others feel comfortable. You're trying to prove that you belong there. Uh, you, you really have a difficult time just figuring out how to fit in. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, others are trying to figure you out. So it creates mm-hmm. this barrier, right? 
that really interferes with everything that everyone is there to do. It, it, yeah. It's counter to being productive. It's counter to feeling safe to be creative and innovative. So yeah. it's it's stifling. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. And I think we've gotten ourselves into, we've kind of backed ourselves into a corner as a culture, I believe, in that a lot of folks are afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, they're afraid of being canceled, right? And so they don't say anything. And I think that we tend to perpetuate the silos because of that. Yes. But we also went through this period where, you know, we wanted to say, well, I don't see color. You know, yeah. everybody's the same. Everybody's not the same. Yeah. We just have to be willing to hold a space for that diversity and honor and value the diversity rather than seeing it as a threat. Now, it's interesting what you said, because people are not willing to say things to be explicit about things. Right. But those same things I call these the, the veiled discriminators can be used. In, in a very damaging way, you know, behind the scenes, if you sure. know, it comes time to make decisions about uh, promotions, certainly increases in compensation, even things like visibility and, and participation with clients and things like that. So that's where those things show up. But the person or people impacted are never aware of it. So there's, there's never any constructive mm. approach to helping people move forward. Right. So... Let me just, I'm going to try to come up with an example and you let me know if I heard you right. So an example could potentially be um, a black woman perceived as being angry, even though she's assertive and that double standard would not apply to someone else, but she's not given feedback and then she's just not promoted. Is that an example that would make sense? It's a good example. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you know, whether it's around attitude, demeanor, it doesn't have to be anger necessarily, but she's, well, I don't think she's the right person, but she doesn't know that, you know, she, she's trying, she, she's, she's trying to push against the, the current, right. Mm -hmm. To, to, to make an impact. And, and maybe there's a different way, you know, sure. And in some situations, you know, if, if she maybe was of another race, mm -hmm. that would be a mentoring opportunity, you know, let's, sure. have, let's have a conversation about it. In this case, it's, oh, well, no, no, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want us to you know, be sued. So I'm not going to say anything. And it doesn't create an environment you know, for success for anybody. Learning, yeah. We're learning, exactly. All right. That makes a lot of sense. So um, you know, in this week's episode of Five Things, my newsletter, I wrote about how I was very personally moved during the Grammys a week ago when Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs performed Fast Car on stage. And maybe I read too much into it, but I was very personally moved. I you know, grew up listening to Tracy Chapman in my younger years and um, sort of seeing them come together when there is so much polarization in the country and specifically seeing how Luke really gave her um, the spotlight and allowed her to shine, not just then, but in, in his actions and words uh, before and, and, and since. And so I was just really, you know, I found that very personally moving. And I just, just think of the words of the song. Yeah. Who doesn't want the feeling of belonging? I had yeah. a feeling that I can be someone. And I think that your book is really, it sounds like it's a key to, to bring that into the workplace. Well, what a what a compliment to to align that with uh, you know 
Tracy Chapman. So thank you for that. Um, listen, you know, one of the things that touched me so much about that was to see her smile. I think back yeah. however many years ago it was, 30 years, 25 years, when that song came out and she was always so stern and so serious and 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 really, you know, just completely different demeanor. And to see her light up just brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. But the flip side of that is doggone it. This is the first time that song has hit number one because yeah. this this white artist yeah. introduced it to a new generation. Granted, right? Mm-hmm. But now it is it is experiencing exposure and success. You know that she's never seen before. That she's yeah. never experienced. It's been out there all this time. What a gift! Yeah, hope, yeah. hopefully she's enjoying the royalties that have come with it. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, um, before we get into this week's good vibes, Brenda, would you mind sharing something in your work that's bringing you hope? You know, conversations like this and the work that you're doing and your commitment to just throwing back the covers brings me hope. And I don't mean that to be, you know, cliche or in any way patronizing. I'm being very sincere. Thank you. Um, when I hear guests like uh, the gentleman that you interviewed a couple of weeks ago talking about accountability in the workplace around diversity and inclusion, those kinds of things give me hope. Uh, the last few years have not been pretty. You know, we had this broad swing. Uh, in one direction after the spring of 2020. And it seemed like there was this resounding response to all the things that were happening and people were getting on the bandwagon, if you will. But what became the reality very quickly after that is that, you know, a lot of that was box checking and, mm-hmm. and it's gotten lost. It's kind of died on the vine. What I'm beginning to see and feel now is kind of 1.5 or 2.0 or whatever version of mm-hmm. that. I think people were fatigued from the general idea of DEI, what is it? What isn't it? What does it mean to yeah. me? And of course, the the forces not using their powers for good, you know, sure. just kind of pulling everything apart. So I think that we're still in the evolution. Mm-hmm. The fire's not out. And so that gives me hope that, that we have an opportunity now to move the needle a little bit farther. Well, let's uh, let's move the needle and talk about some of this week's good vibes. All right. So the first story this week comes from the unfortunate Super Bowl losing San Francisco 49ers, which launched a Black Excellence collection of merchandise conceived by Black employees, presented by Build, the 49ers Black Employee Resource Group that was behind the initiative, and uh, I, what I love about this is they acknowledge that the black style has been appropriated, which in turn silences black voices. And this collection is in direct opposition to that. And I think that's a pretty powerful statement. It is a powerful statement. And I want to uh, give a nod to, I think the gentleman's name is Jonathan Carroll, who who led this effort. He's one of the lead designers. You know, <laughs> especially in the last three or four years, my goodness, some of the some of the images and the things that have have been released almost make Black people look like caricatures, mm-hmm. right? I am involved in some fairly large uh, initiatives uh, for minority leaders. And I say, when I look at the materials even that are presented, it's almost, you know, they find the most extreme, in some cases, just outrageous images to use in 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 the content and things like that. So I'm glad to hear that this has been informed by people who understand who we are and 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 really 
em- embrace our diversity, you know, with, within the Black community in so many different ways. It doesn't all look like one thing or the other. As opposed to Walmart's Juneteenth ice cream, is that? What oh you're... my goodness! Yes, now you're going to make me pass out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The second story this week comes from Kellogg School of Management, which is partnering with Jenny Just, founder of Power Poker, which is has a mission to teach one million women plus poker to build women's empowerment proving that skills honed at the poker table are the same ones needed for success in the business world. So this is an app. Anyone can play the Power Poker app. Um, no money or gambling required. But now it is a course at Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern here in Chicago. I think this is very cool because a lot of women and underrepresented folks have imposter syndrome, and this can actually help with that in a fun way. Absolutely. You know, metaphors are so powerful, metaphors and stories. And anything that you can do to make the the required skills more accessible, right? And and help people to just build confidence, right? Mm -hmm. If you're talking about a conversation with your senior manager or the CEO of your firm, you you might not be able to approach it in the same way. Yeah. if you were thinking about how you're going to strategize, you know, around the poker table. So I think this is exceptional. It is. And I definitely, I've already started playing around with the app. I could always use better negotiation skills. You know, we're always still learning. Um, So I think it's something everyone should check out. Yeah, for sure. All right. The third story this week comes from Lyft, which has introduced a groundbreaking minimum pay standard for drivers, ensuring that they earn 70% of rider payments weekly, which is a huge move towards equity in this gig economy. So data reveals that 15% of drivers earned less than 70% last year. There is even transparency within the app that details the breakdown. I mean, I've been with drivers who've told me that they are giving up 45% of their earnings over to Uber or Lyft or Uber was specifically that driver. Um, So this is amazing that they can earn 70%. Yeah, absolutely. And so to expand this beyond Lyft, to just look at rideshare in general. Yeah. I'm I'm taken by the number of drivers who are single moms who are you know in groups that just they're just trying to make it right yeah. they're just trying to make it and and getting in a few hours here and there wherever they can. One thing that has been a real eye opener to me over the last few years just traveling and if you if you happen to use Uber Eats and things like that mm-hmm. those drivers you know most of those are are. My, I, I don't have any stats, so nobody, but but a lot of those that I have worked with and encountered are minority women. Mm-hmm. And, and so this really does uh, fill a significant gap, I think, and, and make it more meaningful as a way to augment income or, or just, you know, be a, a reliable source of income. And I think it really matters when, you know, the federal minimum wage is still 725. I mean, even though states are better generally it this the opportunity to know that there's a guaranteed minimum in picking up this type of gig work i think is so significant absolutely absolutely the fourth story this week comes from mm lafleur which has a ready to run initiative which loans or gifts outfits for female political candidates 
which addresses a wardrobe challenge that often hinder women in politics. So women just hold 31% of statewide elective offices here in the U.S. And by providing these candidates, women candidates, with outfits at no cost to them, it really can help bridge the confidence gap. Tailored outfits, styling advice, and more. I think this is great. I do too. And beyond the economics, I mean, why do you have to worry about, we always have to worry about, you know, how we're showing up, right? Men sure. can show up in the same tie with the bonnet from two weeks ago and it's okay, but we can't do that. We don't have to right. look, right? And so not to be preoccupied with what you're going to wear and all these things really helps you to focus on why you're there in the first place, right? So I think that's important. But the other important part about this is that to have someone really objectively focusing on the optics. I don't know that we always know what to put on, right? Yeah. I know, listen, let's be honest, we've all looked and said, oh no, why is she wearing that? Or what, you know, whatever it is, he too. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that that matters. I think that that goes a long way in helping to, you know, make connection and just have the desired image that you and impact that you want to have. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, they, in the past, they, this program dressed over 275 politicians. I mean, this is, this is significant. I'm not sure why the program was shut down for a bit, but it's, it's back. Um, And I think it can, these are the types of things that we, we get in our head about, we tend to overthink and then we don't do anything could be simply because we don't know what to wear. Like we have, you know, there's all sorts of hidden barriers. And when I saw this initially, Bernard, I have to tell you, I just pictured, you know, the bed with 10 piles of changes on it, right? You're trying to get out and it's just, but it's, it's the reality and you, yeah. still don't, you, don't, you still don't make the right choice. That's so, right. And someone's always going to judge you regardless. No, no question. No question. I think this is great. Yeah. Okay. The last story this week comes from Apple, which is expected to achieve equal representation of men and women directors at its next board meeting, which stands out among all major tech companies. Until now, there were twice as many men as women on the board of directors. Hopefully we'll see a lot of other companies follow. When I first saw this, my initial response was, I have no words, but here's the thing, (laughs) you know, I think it's 51% of iPhone users are female. And when you take into account other devices, it's about 66%, right? So come on, it, you know, it's about time. That's right. And we talk about our our leadership and governance reflecting our client base. You know, I'm I'm glad to see it finally happening. Maybe a little too little too late, but, but we're there. That's the important thing. You know, Brenda, I would never have anything to write about if I didn't have stories that are better late than never. <laughs> because honestly, so many of the things I'm like, oh, finally. I know, so, I know, I know. So I'm glad we to celebrate that. the wins. We do have to celebrate the wins. And I hope that others in Silicon Valley get on the get on the bandwagon. Yeah. You know, when you think about power users of technology, listen women with 10,000 jobs, right? The day job that, you know, the, the, the shuttle that you run to get the kids around, whatever it is, all the stuff at home. I think that the use of technology, you know, is, is really what keeps things going probably more so than, than it should. And, and that needs to be acknowledged. 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, it has been a delight having you as a guest today, Brenda. Um, This week's call to action is that it is Black History Month. In the show notes, I'm going to include small businesses, 21 businesses owned by Black women and non-binary folks. You can check those out. Please support them. Um, Please support Brenda and check out Brenda's links in the show notes as well. Brenda, how can folks uh, get in touch with you? I'm on Instagram as author B. Harrington, on LinkedIn as Brenda Harrington, and my email, well, the best way on my website is uh, info at adaptiveleadershipstrategies.com. Well, thank you so much, Brenda. You have been a delightful guest. And uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. If you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Thank you so much and have a great week. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI.